Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Sex, Love, and Injectables, the super duper positive and inspirational series that will change your life. Wait, what is this bullshit? Who wrote this? Guys, this is Sex, Love, and Injectables, the unfiltered and raw podcast that is also known as The Shit Show. I'm Heather Finks, and this is Sex, Love, and Injectables. Hello, everyone, including all the guys that I've talked to about this podcast on dates. I am Heather Finks, the host of this incredibly raw, unfiltered, and savage podcast called Sex, Love, and Injectables, or as I'd like to call it, The Shit Show. It's going to be fun. You guys, this podcast has been in the works for what feels like 20,000 years, and we're finally here. We did it. We're live. I'm halfway like, yes, you did it, girl. Do you? And then the other half's like, oh my God, what the fuck are you doing? You're not qualified for this. Go home. (laughs) But seriously, no, I think I tried to talk myself out of this so many times, like literally even this morning. Self-doubt is real. But if we don't take the risks, what are we even doing with our life, right? So here we are, and I'm so excited. I just feel like I have so much to talk about, and I'm pretty damn confident you're going to enjoy listening to all of my shenanigans. So yes, whether you found this podcast by choice or by chance, I'm glad you're here. I hope you keep coming back for more. I'm pretty sure you will. And on that note, if you do like what you hear, please give this a download and leave me a review because apparently that's how you move up in the podcast world. All right. So the why, why did I start this podcast? Trust me, it is not because I just have spare time on my hands. Frankly, my candle is burning on both ends right now. Um, My survival right now is Jesus and wine. That's how I get through. Um, But I just feel like there's things that I want to talk about that people need to hear. There's so many things in the public and on social media that give this false expectation that life should be perfect, and everybody just wants to show off their best assets, right? It's the highlight reel of their life. When guess what? Nobody has a perfect life. I know, right? Shocker. I don't care who you are. We're all facing different struggles each and every day, and I have the perfect example for you. Me. My life has been a beautiful disaster. I've faced plenty of battles, but with each battle, incoming inspirational quote, I learned and came out just a little bit stronger. And talking about these struggles can help you realize that life can be a shit show. And that's okay. So here I am, ready to air out my bullshit, because we all go through it. And if you're the 1% that hasn't gone through bullshit, well, you will eventually. No worries. I promise. (laughs) So yes, sex, love, and injectables. You might be asking yourself, self, what is she even going to talk about? Well, that's kind of why I named it that because I feel like I can talk about literally anything within those three things. I'm a 34-year-old aesthetic nurse practitioner slash divorcee slash mom slash single mom slash was a teen mom slash professional shit show. I mean, I can go on, but we all have things to do. You can't listen to me forever, but I could. But we have some things that we can talk about. I'm going to be talking about Botox and filler, being a working mom, being a single working mom, being a single working mom, navigating the dating pool, which by the way, yuck. Also being a single mom working, or sorry, working, uh, navigating the dating pool 
while owning a small business and now a podcast. Like, I can't even talk because there's so many things that I'm fucking doing right now. It's ridiculous. So see, it's shit show. And I don't even care about being one. I embrace it. It's more important to me that you see me as someone who is real and authentic and unapologetically because society doesn't like us talking about some of the deep shit we all go through. So we choose not to talk about it. But instead, we walk around feeling ashamed or embarrassed. And why? Because it makes people feel uncomfortable. I don't care. Fuck all that. I used to be that girl that just kept quiet. But at some point, something just clicked inside me. Talk about it. Talk to whoever will listen. Because I shouldn't feel ashamed about anything and neither should you. And again, we're all going through the bullshit. So talk about it. All right. So before we get into that. I feel like it's only fair to give you a little background on who I am. Who is your host? Why did, why did I start this podcast? So just to give you a little better idea of why I feel qualified to call myself a professional shit show. While I feel like I'm living my best life right now, struggles included, my life has been difficult. Okay. I've been through the ringer. For instance. No, actually not for instance. Let's just start from the beginning. We have time. By the time I was 16... I'm sorry, let me backtrack. 16's gone a little bit too far. Let's start when I was born. Again, we have time. I was born in Chicago, moved to Texas after my parents got a divorce. My dad, he had full custody of my brother and I, and he moved us down to Texas so that we could live closer to his dad. My mom stayed in Chicago, and we really never heard from her much until I was about 18. So no daddy issues here, but mother issues, 100%, more issues than Vogue. Anyway, we grew up extremely poor, and I didn't really help that situation because I became pregnant at 14 and had a beautiful daughter by the time I was 15. Blessing in disguise, but you guys, this was before the show Teen Mom was popular, which, rude, but nobody thought it was cute, and I did not get to make any money from it, so here we are. Now, the beautiful part about this is that it was the turning point of my life. Up and then, up until then, I really didn't have much hope for the direction my life was going. I just figured I was smart enough to finish school. And even then, I was really too broke to pay for it. Well, when my daughter came into this world, it became my mission to set a new standard for her. This was no longer my life. It was our life. And I could contribute a lot of my success to that turning point. We'll dedicate a lot more time to that on different episodes to talk about, you know, being a teen mom and being a pregnant teen and all that. But for now... Let's keep on going. So by the time I was 16, I had moved out of my dad's house and into a little one-bedroom apartment with just myself and my daughter and the gazillion cockroaches it came with. It was not cute, but I was proud of it. Still in high school, had a job. I think I worked at Target, Pizza Hut, one of those. And if you're wondering how I did this with a baby, I was not too proud to utilize every government program out there to do so. So if I do have team moms listening, which I kind of hope I do, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it for sure. Uh, but yeah, I utilized, I think, WIC, which helped pay for groceries and some other one that helped pay for daycare. That, that was literally the only reason how I've, I've made it through. So, but one of those things that you have to talk about Whenever everything is going awesome, something else happens, right? And we are talking about shit shows. So next shit show is a little monster that I would like to call bulimia. Yep, 
This is one of those things that definitely might make you a little uncomfortable. But honestly, the more I talk about it with people, the more I learn that others are suffering from it. We will most definitely talk about eating disorders on this podcast, but just know that it was and is one of the biggest struggles I have faced, but it's a struggle that can be overcome. So to the girls with eating disorders, please keep listening and stay tuned. We will talk about that. Now, after finally finishing high school, I entered college, used all the loans that you could possibly use to pay for it. And I distinctly remember whenever I was going into college and trying to figure out how I was going to pay for it and looking at loans. My aunt was with me, I think during a dinner, and she was like, Heather, you know, be careful. If you get loans, you have to pay them back. Raise your hand if you ever heard this about loans. Because, you know, again, disrespectful. I thought you could just get loans and like splurge on it and then, you know, whatever, just forget about it because I'm going to be rich later and I'll pay them off whenever I think about it, right? Well, no, bit me in the ass. So I had zero clue of what I was going to do. And as a result, I finished my first undergraduate in a degree that I would never use. It was called interdisciplinary studies. And I would love to know if you are familiar with that. Will you please comment so that I know that you are? Because every person who I've told about that degree has no idea what it is. But anyway, that was five years later and $40,000 of debt. So super awesome. And it was in 2009 when the stock market crashed. So that was just a bonus. But because of that, I was lost again. But I guess you have to get lost to find your next thing. Or at least that's the type of bullshit people say in these situations, right? So for me, that meant going back to college to become a nurse. And somehow I managed to get a full scholarship for that. Don't ask me how that happened because my GPA with the first degree was like a 2.3. I mean, we're talking I failed aerobic exercise type of GPA. And quite frankly, I don't know how the fuck that happened. Um, I showed up with all my stretchy bands on, ready to go. I think it had something to do with her asking me to run a mile. And if you know me, you know that I don't, first of all, I don't run. I don't cardio. If you see me running, just start running behind me because I'm running from something. Uh, but yeah, somehow I managed to get an F in that class. But don't judge me, Karen. It can happen to anybody, right? So anyway, by this time, I was 24 years old, married. I skipped over that part because we have podcasts to talk about that. Um, and my daughter was like nine years old. I think I thought at that point in my life that I had it somewhat together. Uh, at that time, my plan was just to finish nursing school, work my three 12-hour shifts at the hospital, and just be that good wife that spent the rest of the time playing house. And that that's probably the biggest joke that you'll ever hear me say, especially if you know me. Because you know me. I'm not, I'm not domesticated. There is no Martha Stewart in me at all. So fast forward, I finished nursing school. I landed a job in the ER working my three shifts a week. It was perfect, right? Time to start playing house and grow our family. Well, something about my life that you may have caught on to, nothing comes easy. I swear it's always, it's always a shit show no matter what I'm trying to work on. It's a challenge. But you know, I like a challenge, so fuck it, right? What I'm getting to is that apparently I had zero problem getting pregnant in high school, but somehow made it damn near impossible to do so when I was ready. And I'm pretty sure Alanis Morissette wrote a song about that called, like, Isn't it Ironic? Don't you think? That, that, was, that was my life. So anyway, to make matters worse, 
I I did have somewhat of a relationship with my mother at that time, and we would talk on the phone pretty infrequently. But when we did, it was it was it was weird. Let's just be real. But I did talk to her about the issues I was having with growing my family. And the conversation included her mentioning that there was no way I could be having fertility problems because apparently the women in our family get pregnant just by touching a penis. Hmm. Cool, Mom. (laughs) Well, I've touched plenty, and I had issues getting pregnant. So there you go. That's me. Anyway, after what felt like there was no, I mean, a gazillion years of trying and doing every kind of bullshit tip and trick Every single fertile myrtle told you, because, you know, as soon as you tell somebody that you're having issues, they're like, oh, girl, you got to drink the tea. You got to stand on your head. You got to take your temperature at fucking four o'clock in the morning. I'm not up at four o'clock in the morning, first of all. Second of all, I'm not going to try to take my temperature and keep a chart of it. Like, this is some bullshit. So anyway, I'm in the medical world. Let's be real. If I have issues, I'm going to the doctor. So we got testing done and concluded that it would take IVF for me to get pregnant. Again, cool. So (laughs) I knew that I could not afford IVF with my cute little three-day work week position. And just so you know, uh, the ex-husband was not prepared to pay for IVF. He was basically like, hey, if we have kids, cool. If we don't, cool. But if you want to do IVF, cool, but I'm not paying for it. Cool? And I'm like, not cool, but sure. So anyway, I started a business where I rented out office spaces and basically used one for myself to do massage therapy out of so I can make extra income because I forgot to tell you guys, I also went to massage school while I was in college to help pay the bills. So that is what I did to earn extra money so I could afford to pay for babies which some of y'all could do for free, and y'all don't even want them sometimes. So (laughs) our first round of IVF uh, ended with a chemical pregnancy. And if you don't know what that means, that means that you get pregnant, you have a positive pregnancy test enough to make you super excited, and then by the time you take another test, it's gone. So, you know, yeah, basically, like, it's there for a second, then it's gone. It's like an early miscarriage. Uh, So I I grieve that, but for me— Grieving entails just trying again immediately, you know, not even taking time to heal. So I went right back in immediately for round two. At that point, we got another positive pregnancy test. I was excited, but a little cautious for obvious reasons, right? Went to work, told everybody because, you know, fuck that whole wait until 12 week thing. Well, five weeks later, I'm in the ER working and I have this like crazy severe abdominal pain. That's when I learned that I had myself an ectopic pregnancy, which if you don't know what that is, that means that an embryo implants in your fallopian tube. Basically, it means that you're required to have emergency surgery to remove the pregnancy that you work so hard on. So by this point, my marriage is on the rocks. I'm depressed. And as much as I wanted to try one more time, I honestly feared that my husband would leave me because, I mean, it's it's stressful. Like, you get into this tunnel vision where all you want is a baby. And so you kind of put everything else on the back burner, including the husband, because you're like, I don't care what it takes. I just want a family. So after that, we took a break. Uh, we took about a year to regroup, repair the marriage. Um, we ended up buying a new house, uh, or we ended up 
buying land and building a house, which led us to his parents to live for a little bit. But eventually I tiptoed into that next, like, let's try again conversation, got permission to give it one more go. But by this time, I really think husband was completely checked out. I gave myself every single shot, took myself to every doctor's appointment, even went to the embryo transfer appointment by myself. And it kind of sounds sad, right? But at that point, I didn't want anything more than another baby. So I didn't really care about doing it alone. I was like, whatever it takes. And it paid off because that third and final round, we got pregnant. And not just pregnant, but pregnant, pregnant. We were pregnant with twins. Uh, go bigger home, right? Like that's Texas. So I was overfilled with joy that was also backed by fear, fear that I would lose the pregnancy, but also fear that I ruined my marriage <clears throat> by obsessing over growing a family. On top of that, I distinctly remember my husband telling me that he would resent me if we had twins. Um, that was his response every time I asked him about transferring two embryos. Because if you're, if you're not familiar with the IVF world, you basically take shots every single day to have uh, to build embryos, right? You, you take shots to get eggs, and then they take the eggs out. Then they fertilize the eggs. They turn into embryos. And then, you know, then you judge the grade of the embryo, and then you decide um, which ones to transfer. And most people will transfer one to two uh, because I think it's a 50% chance of it sticking. So some people will go ahead and transfer two just to increase their odds because that shit's expensive. I mean, and insurance does not pay for it. So anytime I ever had the conversation about transferring two, he was like, I mean, you can do it, but if we have twins, I'm going to resent you. Also, I'm divorced. <laughs> so if that gives you any intel. Um, so anyway, we were pregnant with twins and I was scared. So what do you do? What do you do when shit gets scary? You just keep going, right? So with the new pregnancy, I transferred to, to a new nursing unit. Um, I went from ER to labor and delivery. We got into our bigger home. Things were finally feeling like they were coming together. You know, guys, what happens when things come together, right? They fall apart. But anyways, that's just, I'm not trying to spoil the ending here. But anyway, so the twins came. Marriage was on point. He actually, you know, ended up improved. Like our relationship improved tremendously when the twins came, probably because I wasn't obsessing over getting pregnant. But it just, I don't know, everything clicked at that time. We had this new house, new life. Who dis? I felt happy. You know, we had these two cute babies. We still have my older daughter. That's amazing. So anyway, you remember when I said that, you know, I was down for that domesticated life work three days at the hospital, then the other days be wifey slash mom boss the rest of the time, right? I was fooling myself. Like, there's something about me that all of my friends and clients and colleagues know. I have this fire inside of me to build an empire. And I know that I can do that while still being a kick-ass mom and a kick-ass wife regardless of what society says. And I can do that with a husband that actually deserves to be with me and understands that type of woman. We're strong, independent women, right? We can build things and grow things and still foster this environment and be a good you know, parent to our kids. And I honestly, I think that we're setting a huge example by doing so. But anyways, I'm just preaching right now. Uh, but I do believe it's true. But anyway, the more that I tried to play Martha Stewart, the more of an itch I got to create something new. And that 
is when the random idea to open an eyebrow studio developed. And random, right? Um, I say random because it was completely out of left field. Literally, in my head, I'm thinking, you know what? I can own a place where women can come in with shitty eyebrows and come out looking like brow goals. But I had zero experience in brows. But again, fuck it, right? It's a challenge. So, and even more ironic is when I started researching brow businesses, I came across an article that talked about microblading and how it was gaining popularity as the new eyebrow trend. So, okay, God, I hear you. Um, Yes, you can still be Christian and cuss a lot. So I went down the microblading rabbit hole and realized that nobody in my area was offering the service, found some training classes in Dallas, and literally was stuck. Like, I was like, this is it. This is going to be my thing. Went home that night, presented everything to the husband, and his response was, well, Heather, why would anybody trust you to do a tattoo on their face while laughing? You know, whenever you're talking to somebody and they like do that giggle where it's condescending, it's not like, oh, I'm going to laugh with you. It's, you're stupid. Well, (laughs) the joke was on him, motherfucker, because I got, I get that all the time. People tell me no all the time, my entire life. And for me, no just means, bitch, watch me. So (laughs) I went to the training anyway. And after training was completed, the Brautini Bar was born. So Brautini Bar is still in business. We uh, opened in 2015, still going strong. We have now grown to four four technicians there. I come in there not too frequently, but I, I manage it remotely. And it, it's amazing. I mean, if you talk to women in Fort Worth, most likely they've heard of the Brautini Bar. Uh, within three months, I was so busy that I had to quit my job at the hospital so I could be a full-time um, technician at Brautini Bar. After a year, I was financially secure enough to go back to school to become a nurse practitioner all on my own dime. I'm not trying to toot my horn. Horn. This is really just to show you that, like, if you have an idea and you work hard for it, you can do it in a shitty situation. Because, like I said, I grew up poor. This is not like parents helping me out. I did not like get divorced and get all of this stuff. Like, this is this is all me. So if I can do it, you can do it. So, anyways, we got super busy and it was amazing. And um, so I quit. The hospital, I worked there full-time, went to nurse practitioner school. Everything was going great again. Graduated uh, with my master's degree, became trained in aesthetics. I have a new medical director. I'm offering cosmetic tattooing along with other cool things like injectables, hormone therapy, vitamins, you name it, I would do it. I was in control of my schedule. Boss babe, felt like kick-ass, you know, boss, kick-ass mom. The one problem at this point was my marriage. It had completely fallen apart right before my eyes, and I didn't even really realize it. And uh, and I'll be honest, I used to blame it on the typical narcissism scapegoat. And I'll say that because I think the word narcissist gets thrown around a lot. Like, I think we use it more times than we shouldn't. And I am guilty of that. But in all honesty, I was 24 when we got married. We were babies. We grew apart. It got to the point where we were sleeping in separate rooms. And this was probably one of my darkest moments. We tried counseling, you know, and and I'll be honest, like people will tell you like marriage is for, you know, life or death. Work on it until whatever. I agree with you. At that point, I, I was like, I just got to make it work. But I also agree with if you're so miserable 
that everybody around you feels your misery, including your kids, do something for yourself and just bow out gracefully. It's okay. God's not going to judge you. God wants you to be happy. Okay. And this isn't Christian talk. This is just real life. So, um, you know, like I said, used to blame it on all kinds of stuff. Now I'm just going to say we just grew apart. We slept in separate rooms for about six months. Um, And the day that I told him that I was done was the day that he was like, you'll be fine. You're pretty. And that just kind of solidified my my choice because I'll be like, sure, I could be pretty, but I'm not trying to live life with another man. I want to live my life and then find a partner to live my life with. Okay. Again, preaching. But it was amicable. We split an attorney, wrote our own decree. In fact, after we decided to get a divorce, we actually met at a bar and wrote down our decree on a napkin. And it was literally like 50-50 everything, co-parenting, like legit, don't be a dick, no child support. Like it was it was a good deal. And um, we, again, split the attorney and waited 60 days, signed the paper, and that was that. So that's kind of also where Orange Twist came into my life. And thank God for them. Shout out to the camps. Uh, They took me on as a nurse practitioner injector at their facility. I trained a new brow tech to handle my brow clients. Huge shout out to Jessica. She had, she, she saved the brow teeny bar when I was going through that stuff. Like literally one of the most amazing people in my life. Uh, But I began working at Orange Twist because I needed a place where I can go to and just work and not worry about anything else. Don't worry about, you know, all the business aspects of injectables, but just work. And also, I needed benefits because if you are in a small business, you know that uh, insurance is kind of expensive. So anyway, going back, another problem about me. I know, another another problem because shit show. Um, I act like the most independent woman there is, but I have a huge fear of being alone and fear of abandonment. Hello, mommy issues. (laughs) Here you are. Um, So, you know, once I got the divorce, I I don't think I could handle being on, on my, on my own, being alone. Like I, I've had that like fear of, fear of uh, abandonment, fear of, again, being alone. So I bum rushed myself into my next relationship quicker than you could count to 10. And then eight months later, found myself engaged to be married again. And uh, and this guy, he's amazing and everything I needed at the time, but everything I also did not need. Um, I mean, it was comfortable because I had somebody in my life, but then also I felt myself drowning and spiraling down this like the darkest depression I've ever experienced. And that's another thing that we're going to talk about, depression and anxiety. Like it happens to the best of us and it's okay. It's normal. Um, It's just something that you don't want to keep to yourself. Um, My days were hard. The nights were even harder. The holidays I can't even talk about were just incredibly difficult because, you know, one of the hardest things about my divorce was not so much not having a husband, but the family that we built, like his, his parents were huge blessings in my life. Like his dad was my dad. His mother was my mother. So, you know, once we divorced, it it was like going to a funeral because I knew that they were never going to be the same way they were, you know, while we were married 
after the divorce, if that makes sense. The relationship is just, it's just different. So that was probably the hardest part. So having to go through that and then jumping from that to a relationship was just too much. So I did another one of the hardest conversations that I've ever had and had to break that engagement. And it was very, very difficult. Um, but I had to do it. I had to be alone and heal and grow. And that is what I've done. So that was almost eight years ago. I have been single since. Um, but I've taken that time to grow and I've taken that time to get to know myself better and just know, you know, I, I don't need a guy. I can be comfortable being alone and then date, you know, again, da- navigate that dating world. And eventually I'll find somebody that can be my partner in life. So, phew, that is my life story, guys. Um, I am stumbling through life today as a single working mom, I'm still navigating the dating pool while owning a business and this new podcast that I'm super excited about. And now that I gave you the spark notes of my life, I have zero doubt that you believe that I don't have a lot of good stuff to talk about. After this, you should know we have plenty to discuss. Um, But not just that, I want to learn and hear from others too. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of storytelling. We'll have a little bit of question and answers. I'm going to have interviews with other people around Fort Worth. We're going to do a lot of deep diving into further shit shows that we call life. And we're going to raw dog it. No pun intended, no filter, just sex, love, and injectables. So in case you forgot, uh, because this is a long ass about me episode, please give me some love. Follow me on Instagram at injector underscore Heather. Leave this podcast a review and please share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) 